Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Hi, this is Dave Schmidow, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. On this show, we talk to real people with real stories. We focus on the focus and discuss what matters most. Let's go. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Today, we have an episode that I have been looking forward to for, quite frankly, probably like three years. Um, I've got a a woman on (laughs) right now that I connected with a few years ago, um, just casually, and got this friendship that has just grown and evolved completely online. And I am so stinking excited to be able to talk to her in this format and to be um, uh, just to allow all of you to, to take part in this conversation as well. I've got a woman on who inspires me. She is another bear poker, just like me, which I adore. She says what she's thinking. Um, and most of the time she's thinking what we're all thinking anyway. And she says the stuff that needs to be said. Um, she is a Smashing Pumpkins fan. She is uh, a Florida princess. She just has it all going on for her. Today, we've got Julie, a one sweet batch Stewart, on with us. Julie, thank you so much for being here. That was pretty awesome. Now I want to meet that person because <laughs> none of that is me. <laughs> <laughs> it is all you. Well, if, if you think some of that's not you, can you just take a few minutes and introduce who you think you are to the rest of us? Um, well, that all made me sound way better than uh, reality. Uh, I am from the South, obviously. Um, this accent is not going anywhere. I was actually born in Chicago, which to hear me talk, you would never know that I was not born anywhere but here. Um, Mother, teacher, bear poker is correct. Um, I I say the things that need to be said and, um, you know, I I really, I, I don't mind standing up to anybody when it comes to that. I choose my hill and, um, I'll die on that hill. When I pick that hill, um, I'll, I'll go to bat for anybody. So that, that part was accurate. (laughs) So you, you said that you are from the, or you live in the South. Can you describe where you live and even be specific tell the story about like literally where you live and why you live there? If you walk people through that journey a little bit. (laughs) Um, well, currently, if you can see behind me, this is our temporary living. There's my grandmother's table flipped upside down out here behind me. Um, we just got a new table, which is also behind me. I was pretty excited about that because we haven't bought any new furniture since the hurricane. Um, we are currently living in temporary housing still since... October the 26th of 2018. So it's been 
um, almost 500 days, not that anybody is counting. Um, a hurricane came through 2018. We actually worked up until the day prior to the hurricane because we um, thought it would be just, you know, we have hurricane parties. When you live in Florida, you have hurricane parties. It's no big deal. Um, you go get bread and water from Walmart and then you carry on about your day. So we assumed it would be um, pretty much the same type of thing. We worked the day prior and we were even told at work that day to plan on coming in um, half a day the following day after the storm passed through. So um, sometime over um, I get emotional when I talk about it because it's still so fresh, but um, in the middle of the night, the storm strengthened to a category five. It came on shore to category five. Um, the hallway where my kids and my dogs and I were during the storm, um, everything was fine. The storm passed through. It took about three or four hours for the hurricane to pass all the way through. Um, we thought everything was fine, but we did not know that a tree had fallen directly on the top of my house. So when it did, it, it tore open a hole in the roof. Um, everything in the attic got wet. So then our ceilings started caving in, um, which was like a domino effect. It was the whole house. So my house had to be torn down to the concrete foundation. Um, still concrete foundation right now because of issues with insurance and contractors and um, pretty much everything else that's going on. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty much it. We are um, in a different town right now. We lived in Jackson County, which got a majority of the damage. Um, Jackson County is still um, in shambles. Um, so that's, that's kind of the story of, of right now. It's crazy. I know a lot of people think that the idea of living in Florida, the sunshine state, it's always sunshine and rainbows. Uh, you get the occasional um, rain shower that comes through. And when that happens, you just hunker down for an hour and wait for it to pass. Sometimes you have to deal with alligators, right. but there's Mickey Mouse right around the corner, right? Florida is just sunshine, right. rainbows, and Mickey Mouse. But the, I mean, there's also people that live real life that have ups and downs and these amazing obstacles that get put in their way. So, I, and I know you don't necessarily know the answer to this, but can you talk to people about what's to come? You, said, you, you call this temporary housing that you're in right now. Um, what is the, the timeline as far as you know it? Um, well, it's kind of turned into um, permanent housing because when we moved, um, we just we didn't really understand the extent of the damage. We tore everything down to the foundation, um, all of threw all of our stuff out. Um, my husband, I I mean I had to go back to work. I couldn't I couldn't deal with anything here because where I work is in a different county. Um, that county is the the very next county over. They had power within the next two or three days. Um, we were without power for three weeks um, in Jackson County, so almost a month without power. So we had we had to move because I had to have electricity to 
to be able to get ready to go back to work and pretend like everything was completely back to normal. Um, so I went back to work. My husband um, and a friend moved 13 years worth of household everything out. Um, luckily, my brother had this house that we're staying in now. Um, and we were thinking it was going to be like a six-week thing. Um, this was late October of 2018. So we were thinking the following spring break, we would be able to move back. Um, and here it is, we've now come upon the second spring break um, and, and still here. So it's, um, I guess I really can't call it temporary housing anymore because it's not temporary. <laughs> Which I know is, is devastating, but through, throughout <laughs> all of this, I appreciate, you know, I'm now more than a thousand miles away but I appreciate your transparency through this whole process. You know, I think you've been very real about talking about the highs and the lows, but yet at times you're still able to compartmentalize and focus on other things. You, you talk about your, your job, for example, and I know that's gone through a transition over the last year, year and a half as well. It's not like you just moved your house and um, your kids had to, to adjust. You've had to adjust professionally as well. Can you talk us through that process a little bit? Um, really, it, it was, it just all came about um, really sort of out of the blue. I've, I've always loved books. My kids know that I love books. My husband gets upset because every year when we file taxes, um, I can only write off $250 worth, which is probably what I spend on one purchase from Scholastic or Amazon. Um, usually it's more like $3,000 that I spend on books for my kids, but I always want kids to have books that are important to them and, and books are so important. Um, my students will come to me before they will go to the library because they know Miss Stewart's got the book that I want. Um, so anyway, it's always been a, a dream or a goal to become a, a media specialist, a school librarian. Um, it's not just checking books in and out. Um, as a matter of fact, if I never had to do that again, it would be perfectly fine with me because I hate that part of the job. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I have lots of degrees, lots of certifications. Um, special education is my heart. That's my first love, always has been. Um, my master's is in ESE. Uh, I have always been in ESE. Um, last year, I taught gen ed for the first time in 17 years and absolutely loved it. Those kids, um, I just, you know, every few years you get a group of kids that you just would die for. And, and I do mean that literally. Um, 10 years ago, I had a group like that at Cottondale High School. And then this past year, I had a group like that at my current school um, where I was. And I just, I loved them. I called the principal when they left me and went to sixth grade. I called the principal and I said, hey, um, I need you to hire me as a sixth grade teacher because I need to be with these kids again. And he said, well, you know, we don't have anything, but I'll let you know if we do. So I've always had this media specialist certification on the back burner, um, had really no reason to add it to my certification because once 
teachers get into that position, they die in that position because they never leave that position. So it's never open, it's never available, um, but I still wanted to take the test and add it to the certification anyway. So I did pay the $200 that the state of Florida requires you to pay every time you take a test. Um, paid the $200, took the test, studied for it for about two weeks ahead of time, already knew a lot of stuff about library science and media specialists. Um, passed the test, then I had to pay another $75, thank you, DOE, um, to add it to my certificate. Um, and a position just happened to be open at the school where my kids from last year were. Um, and it's been absolutely the most wonderful thing. I get to see them every day. They come through the library to see me um, in groups of like 20 kids at the time every day. It's, it's the greatest thing. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there a little bit. We'll poke a bear just briefly, and then we'll, then we'll move okay. on. National teacher shortage, it exists in Florida as well. And yet to get a certification on, um, on <laughs> to help you do a job that you are passionate about, that you want to do, you're a teacher with experience, 17 years of experience, you had to pay $200 to take a test, and another $75 yep. to get it put on your certificate so that you could walk in and help students reacquire a love of reading um, and literacy. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. Um, but you you did you saw, you said that if you didn't have to, to do the book check in check out thing another day, you'd be totally content and totally happy. So what is it about totally the media specialist job that you do enjoy? Why why is that the passion that you have? Um. I don't know. I love books. Uh, I always have. Um, I'm reading three or four books at any given time, all at the same time. Um, I've always loved um, bringing a kid in that says, I hate reading or I don't like reading. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, what kind of things do you like to do? Um, and we're able to find a book for that kid and they pick it up and they get involved in the series. And then before you know it, they're a reader. Um, the same thing happens when they come in the library. I have kids come in and say, um, I'm looking for this book that was green on the front and maybe it had a dog on it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what book that is and I can take them right to it. And, um, you know, it's, it's really cool when I have a kid that will come in and do that. And then he says, man, you really like books, don't you? I'm like, mm, just a little bit. <laughs> I would I would challenge you that it's probably more than that. I think it's you just really like kids, and I think you really take a lot of pride in making sure every single kid feels valued and feels special and important, no matter their every circumstances, kid. no matter their situation. <laughs> and as I've gotten to know you, I mean that has become the hill for you. Is it's not just about equity and equality; it's making sure that every single kid knows their value. And I feel like you're able to do that right now in a very powerful, meaningful way. And I don't know if you want to talk through some of this or not, but just to give people a little bit of context about specifically where you are. So in terms of Florida, Florida is a huge state. There's Southern Florida, which is, you know, Miami and 
um, there's the huge houses and people driving the Lamborghinis and, um, and there's central Florida where we have a lot of retirees and, um, Disney. Then there's Northern Florida. That's just called Disney. <laughs> right. <laughs> then, then you've got the panhandle region, which is more Southern Georgia, Southern Alabama than it is Florida. I mean, it's the Bible belt. It is, right. um, the heart of, um, conservative America, if you will. In walks yes. Julie to the media center and you had the opportunity um, in the media center to really highlight books, highlight topics, highlight themes that you think are relevant, important, and meaningful for all kids. So at times that means you're not necessarily just putting Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, the great Gatsby on the shelf or even just Dr. Seuss right. on the shelf. Am I right? Um, exactly. So, Especially not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me, what, what kind of decisions are you making um, daily when you're weighing what books you're highlighting, what books you're putting on the shelf? Um, well, that's been a really touchy subject lately. You know, I, I spoke to you about this. Um, we have in all districts, not just mine. Um, it is not specific to my district. Um, but we have students that are not straight white males only. Um, most of the books that you pick up are about straight white characters um, that have no disabilities, that have no, um, you know, less than ideal circumstances that just, you know, it's just the norm, I guess. Um, my favorite author is Jason Reynolds. He writes books that are, um, they're just, they really get you into um, the mindset of what um, our black youth are going through right now. Um, as a teacher, that's important. As a student, that's important because we need to be able to experience what other kids are going through. Um, I had a student, um, a trans student that came to me in confidence and asked me if I had any books um, in our very small rural library um, about the LGBTQ community. Um, our library did not. I personally did have a few um, and that was not well accepted by the community at large. Um, they kind of took it and ran with it as me um, bringing an agenda to the students, which I'm not sure how I would have an agenda since I'm a straight white female and I've been married for almost 20 years. I don't have a gay agenda. Um, I have a human agenda. Um, not everybody is straight, white, perfect. Um, you know, I buy books about kids with disabilities, with different abilities. Um, I buy books about interracial couples. I buy books about, you know, people have some use of, but it was, it was not, um, it was not widely accepted. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> And for those people that are just listening to this and can't see the visual, over your right shoulder, there's a little painting. Can you just describe what the painting is that's over your... Um... Oh, my right shoulder. Yeah. Um, well, 
that is um that actually came from my old house above the fish tank there that yeah. fish actually went through the hurricane in the bathroom with us so he's a fighter um but the painting i'm i'm mormon lds yeah. uh, latter-day saint um that's by one of my favorite um mormon artists um but it's a picture of our heavenly father um i like to have it in a central location of our house it was right by the front door of my old house um it actually did not receive any damage all of our other pictures either fell or broke or had water damage um but it's one of my favorite pictures it came with us and it'll go back with us when we go back to our our tiny little house. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I bring that out because I think it's important for people to, to recognize. I mean, your faith is a central part of who you are. And it's, it's who you are. It's something that you hold very, very dear. It's something that um, helps drive the decisions that you make daily. Yet, that is not your agenda for the kids. Your, your agenda is just to make sure that people feel valued and loved. I mean, truly, that, that is the essence of your faith, is feeling loved and appreciated where you are, who you are in any moment. And if you do have an agenda, that's it. So in the heart of the Bible Belt, I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that, that is a message that rings true in the heart of the Bible Belt and inner city America and rural America, you name it. Every single person has a place. Every single person needs to be accepted for who they are, where they are, and just loved by, by others. Is, I agree. Is that, is that, if you did have an agenda, did I just sum it up for you? Um, you did. I, I was actually told um, not to respond to the people that were responding negatively because um, I think everybody knows that if, if I respond, um, <laughs> you know, I, it, it can go sideways really quickly <laughs> um, because once you poke the mama bear, um, all bets are off. Um, but I did respond, but I responded by simply saying, um, if I did have an agenda, my only agenda is for every single student that goes to my school feels like there is a safe space for them and a place where they can go to be whoever, whatever they are. I don't care. Um, you know, as long as you're not hurting someone, um, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be whoever you want to be. If you want me to use they pronouns for you, great. If you want me to use um, he or him pronouns, then tell me that. Um, you know, it's not something to be laughed off or put to the side because if it's important to those kids, then it needs to be important to us. Um, and that was my only agenda. I want those kids to know, hey, I'm at school. This is a really terrible, sometimes horrific place to be because kids are mean. Kids are mean. And I don't know a, a, a better word for it, but kids are brutal. Um, and these children need to know, hey, there's a safe place where I can go because Miss Stewart, um, will welcome me in and I can, I can be me in the library. Well, I, I think you and I would also argue that sometimes adults can be mean. <laughs> adults can be oh, yeah. brutal. <laughs> and I think that I, yeah, they can. simply because of their age, they think that they're entitled to be mean and brutal. They, they can bless your heart at the end of it. They can say, I'm just being honest and say their truth, their version of um, truth. Um, 
but there needs to be people they in the called world. Called me too. the devil. So right. I'm I'm pretty sure that was like a prime example. I mean <laughs> there you go. So my so, kids might call me the devil, but I've never had another adult call me that. <laughs> so so where is your safe space then? Because I mean from the outside in, people would look at you and say, oh, you're, you're this Southern belle. You're, you know, you're just living the life, but there, there are haters everywhere. Do you have a safe place, a place that you can turn in and say, man, this is where I'm accepted? Um, you know, I, I really, I really don't right now. Um, just recently it's, it's gotten really difficult. Um, and I've, I've, finally got to the point where I could call my doctor. She's a good friend of mine. Um, our youngest children are best friends. So we have a great relationship. And I, I texted her one day and I said, listen, um, I need help. This is embarrassing. I don't like saying this, but I'm either going to take myself out or I'm going to take somebody else out. And it's gotten to that point. <laughs> um, please don't you know, take it personally and, and hold it against me that I'm telling you this, but something's got to change. Something's got to give. I've always been anti-medication. Um, I have scoliosis. I don't even take narcotics. Every time I go to the ER, I even have to tell them up front, no narcotics, can't take anything more than a Motrin 800. Um, and my doctor friend texted me back immediately and she said, girl, I'm depressed for you. You're going through it right now. Um, nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to be ashamed about. And she brought me in, um, started me on medication and it's been maybe two weeks. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that will help create a, a safer place for me. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I am, I, I'm starting to get emotional right now because um, I, I know your story and I am so proud of you um, in, in more ways that I can even describe. Uh, I, the, the past year and a half has been insane, insane. And uh, watching the story unfold from a thousand miles away, you know, I, I get my own head at times and there are listeners of this podcast that that know that at times I've gone through the woes as me's and uh, gotten to those deep dark places and finally got myself to a place a year ago where I was able to throw up my hands and say I can't do this anymore and reach out and get get help through um, counseling and medication and uh, at times I feel like the medication helped at times I feel like talking to the doctor helped but when I really sit back and think about it the thing that helped was simply making that acknowledgement of, I can't do this alone anymore. And reaching out for help for the first time and ripping off that mask and that facade, like everything is perfect. And seeing you get to that point right. um, has been like rewarding to know that you're at this place now where you're just completely raw and exposed and willing to say this on this podcast. I mean, that is, that is powerful, powerful stuff. And the impact that your story. Hopefully your message, nobody will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but seriously, the, the impact that that, that is going to have on somebody else as well. Because there are so many people that, that go through this. Have they had their house destroyed by a hurricane? No. Have they switched jobs in the midst of that? 
No. Are they feeling isolated and uh, attacked from multiple lenses on social media stuff? I don't know. But there are people that are questioning their value, their worth, and their future. And the fact that you are, A, fighting through it, B, um, continuing to fight for the things that matter, and now fighting for yourself is so stinking amazing. And um, I absolutely love seeing the side of you. Love it. Sorry, um, I had to say Thank it. Thank you. Um, so with, with all of that, I, I gotta, I'm gonna just go here real quick. So the idea of poking the bear, um, you wear that with a badge of honor, right? Um, but it's also something that comes at great cost because you do fight for the things that matter to you. But the idea of fighting means other people will fight back, which can lead to this vicious cycle, oh, yeah. right? Um, sometimes we, we say things, I will speak for myself, I'll say things that piss people off. And I say it knowing it's going to, but then when you get the pushback at times, it, it makes me cringe inside like, ooh, people don't necessarily see things the same way I do. And it makes me question if I'm doing the right things. Do you battle that? Do you battle whether or not you should fight, whether or not you should just keep your, your mouth shut or um, should you just play by the rules or should you try to break the rules? I do. Um, yeah, that was my son that just popped through. <laughs> You're talking? <laughs> um, I do. Um, you know, I, how do I start this? I don't say things to be controversial. Um, but when they are controversial, then I definitely don't mind having that conversation. Um, you know, case in point, I had someone not too long ago, um, it was a student that um, I, I put up a display in the library um, and it was several months before Black History Month. Um, and I, I put it up because I had a bunch of really great books that I really loved about um, some of my favorite fictional characters. Um, most of the books were actually about, um, or were written by my favorite author, Jason Alexander. Um, and then Nick Stone is also another favorite author. She wrote Dear Martin, um, also a great book. So I had a display um, and I had a sign that said, read black and then underneath um, it said, read books by black authors about black characters, about the black experience, read them every day, not just Black History Month. Um, I made a post about it on social media, which I, I do, I, I love posting things about the library on social media because the goal is to get kids in the library and to get them reading. Um, but I had a student that came through and he said, why do you have all these books up? And I said, because this is a library and those are books. And um, he went on his way and I was like, okay. Um, well, he passed through the next day and he said, you know, it ain't Black History Month. And I said, yes, I'm aware. It's November. Um, he went on his way, same student, passed through the next day. Um, the library is a shortcut, by the way, so I have a lot of kids back and forth. Um, but he came through and he said, um, why do you have all these books? Is it because it's Black History Month coming up? And I said, listen. And I finally, you know, I was to that point, had to remember this is still a kid. <laughs> 
And I said, listen, these are books that have words in them that are by some of my favorite authors. Yes, they happen to be black. No, it is not Black History Month, and that is okay. Um, went on his way, a couple days later, he came back through and actually checked out one of the books, which is great, um, and, and hasn't mentioned a thing about it since. My display is still up, my sign is still up, still not Black History Month in March, <laughs> um, but Black History is, is American history. It doesn't have to be February for us to have this display, but um, you know, like I said, when I get involved in stuff, it can go sideways really quick, um, but I try to keep it professional, so. And I can only imagine at times that you get shocked when some of that stuff does cause a stir. You're oh, like, yeah. this is just common sense. I mean, <laughs> except people love people, appreciate people, and then that causes controversy, which is crazy. Yeah, I also want to compliment you Always. on your, the way that you approach literacy and reading. And uh, I think it's yet another, another example of how some states, aka Florida, get things wrong and how we measure reading as though it's an end goal. We, we measure reading based off of how many words a kid can read a minute. Um, we measure their ability to be fluent and to decode and have all this phonemic awareness, whatever, all the way up through high school. That's how we're measuring reading as opposed to using yeah. reading as a gateway to more. Reading is a tool to learn about social studies, to learn about the world, to learn about science. It's not the other way around. It's, we, don't, we don't just teach right. reading in social studies and in science class to help with reading scores. We teach reading so that kids can learn social studies and science because that's the real world. Everything not, else. <laughs> absolutely. Reading is not the destination. It is the gateway to more. And I appreciate that you recognize that and, and use that to open doors for, for kids and adults. Well, I always say it's really disappointing the number of times that people have asked me as an adult how fast I can read because I'm a really fluent reader and nobody has ever asked me how fast I can read. How many correct words per minute can you read, Miss Stewart? Nobody cares. Right, <laughs> isn't that interesting, yeah. Um, and you don't have to take AR tests and stuff, I bet, either. But that's a whole other story. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is next for you? Uh, are you? Are you in your sweet spot right now where you feel like, wow, I'm making the, I'm making the difference. I just need to, to slow my roll? Or do you, do you see something else on the horizon? Um, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Um, now, when this group of kids that are now sixth graders that I had as fifth graders, when they move on to high school, um, I can totally see myself packing up my bags and my books and following them up the hill to the high school. And then I've already told them when they go to college, don't be surprised if you see Miss Stewart on campus because I will probably follow them there. Um, you are the modern my group Mr. that I had. <laughs> Right. Um, my group that I had 10 years ago at Cottondale High School, um, they're all, most of them are now mothers um, and fathers, and I still talk to them. Um, one in particular still comes to have dinner with us. Um, she broke our trampoline. Hi, Connor, if you're going to watch this. Um, she broke our trampoline right before the hurricane. Um, she's always been just kind of a staple in our house since my youngest was born, and she's now 11. 
um, I had those kids as sixth graders when I was pregnant with her. So they've kind of grown up with, with me and my kids. Um, but that's the only time that I can see myself moving or going anywhere is to just follow this group of kids um, pretty much for the rest of their lives, whether they like it or not. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and you, you really are like a, another mother to those kids. And I know that your kids have you in every aspect of their life as well. You, you post things just from <laughs> at oh, yeah. every activity you can imagine. You are there. You're like their biggest cheerleader, no pun intended, for all of your kids. And it's, it's super cool that you find that balance. You find the time to make all the things work. So good for you. So with all of this that we've covered. It's important. It is. It is. Um, I, I am curious if you're going to be able to do this part because you've covered a lot of important topics. You've covered a lot of things that uh, I'm going to be playing back over and over and over again. This is one of those episodes that I'm going to resonate on and meditate on because you spoke a lot of truth. If you had to boil it all down and say, but here's the thing, not another thing, but here's the thing that matters most. You know, I typically call it on these episodes, the mic drop moment. What is the mic drop moment from, from you? Imagine that you're up on stage with the Smashing Pumpkins. They hand you the mic. You're able to actually focus <laughs> on saying something and not just like <laughs> running around screaming. But they gave you the mic and they say, tell the crowd something. <laughs> what do you say? Um, gosh, I wish I'd had time to prepare for that. I actually have met and sat next to Billy Corgan. And the only thing that I could think of to say was, I'm pregnant. And my kid is going to be named after you, which was totally true. But he was probably thinking, okay, psycho. <laughs> um, no, truly, um, just every Every kid, every human, every person um, deserves everything that life has to offer. Um, you know, no, no one group, no one um, race, no one gender deserves more than anybody else. Um, and these kids, I hope, um, when they pass through my space and when they interact with me, I hope that every single kid um, feels important. I try to make them feel important. I greet every student that walks through my library every single day, um, even if they don't greet me back, which um, most of them don't, so I've had to teach them about manners. When someone says good morning, you say good morning back. Hello, Miss Stewart. How are you today? Um, but I laugh about it with them because, you know, they, they may truly not understand about manners, but I want every kid to feel seen. Um, I want them to put a smile on their face, and I want them to feel good about the person that they are, whatever that may be. That's good. And I'll just say this to you, that uh, I appreciate you. Uh, you matter. And I, I literally read every single thing that you write and you post because it speaks to me. And I appreciate you as a person. Um, Thank you. As an educator, as a mom, as a wife, all of those things. But you, it, your own identity outside of those other labels are a rock star in my world. And I appreciate you and all that you do, all that you say, and all that you stand for. 
Thank you. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you taking time to, to share your story, every single piece of it with this audience. Uh, there are going to be some things on here that people are just going to be blown away by, and hopefully they're going to be able to take and apply to their life to, to make their life and their journey a little bit more successful. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidow? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidow.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.